Well, it's good to have you here this morning, and um, I uh, always look forward to being here. And uh, it's always kind of a different mix of people, and uh, that's a good thing. We have been in a series on grace for the last seven weeks, and uh, it's one of the only series that I've done in the last couple of years where, where people about six or seven weeks into it haven't gone, you know, I've just about had enough of grace. It's one of those things that would be hard to say that, right? Uh, I'm sick of talking about grace. I don't want to talk about any more grace. I've had enough grace in my life. And uh, uh, so I appreciate that. But this morning we're going to be looking at how we grow in grace. Um, More specifically, how we grow spiritually. How God makes us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. But I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. And... uh, I, uh, I, I debated whether or not to, to, to make this you know, a real question and actually have you respond to it, but then I decided, um, no, because I'm a very controlling person. And, um, but here's the rhetorical question. How do growth, spiritual growth, and grace fit together? The reason I ask the question, okay, here's my bias. When we talk about spiritual growth, oftentimes, I believe, we think of that as something that we do. Something that requires effort on our part. Okay? When we talk about grace, we think of that in, in, in terms of, of, of this gift that God gives us. Something that we do nothing to deserve or to receive. And so how do we talk about growth and how do we talk about grace and how do those two things fit together? They often seem at odds, don't they? Um, I made the mistake of asking this question to the teachers this morning and... Uh, one of them responded with such a profound idea that I thought, shoot, if I had heard this earlier in the week, I would have preached my sermon on this. It was so great. <laughs> because what she said, and this is true, and I'm going to leave it at this, right? Oftentimes, we grow as a result of the difficulties we face, right? And it's only by God's grace that we get through some of this stuff and are able to grow in our faith and become more like Christ, which, by the way, is the goal of our faith. Anyway, I have a couple of thoughts I want to share them with you. The first one is this. Growth is not ultimately about what we do. It's not about quantity, okay? Spiritual growth really has nothing to do, and I want you to hang in here with me for a minute, it has nothing to do with religious activities. And some of you go, well, hello, I knew that. No matter how good, no matter how important they seem, ultimately, Growth doesn't have a lot to do with those. It's not about meetings, even as good as annual meetings are, as budget meetings are. It's not about that. It's not about memorizing Scripture. It's not about keeping a 15-minute quiet time each morning. It's not about memorizing. It's not about reading Christian books or attending Christian seminars or going away on spiritual retreats. As good and as important as those things are, Spiritual growth in the final analysis is not about the religious things that we do. And some of us do a lot of stuff. We really do. Spiritual growth is about something else. It's about, I believe, about something more. It's about quality. It's about the quality of our lives in Christ. Remember that little phrase, in Christ? It's repeated more often than any phrase in the New Testament. In Christ. It's about the degree to which our characters are being shaped by Jesus. That's what spiritual growth is about. It's about becoming more and more like Him. 
Spiritual growth is not a matter of quantity. It's a matter of quality. Jesus didn't come to give us more things to do. He came to give us a new quality of life. An abundant life. A life that overflows with joy and peace. Satisfaction on the deepest level. I want to look at this process of growth that God wants to facilitate in our lives. It's a process of change, which is a scary word for some of us. It's a process of transformation. It's a process that has little to do with our efforts and everything to do with God's grace. Okay? Does that make sense? I'm not asking you to agree with me at this point. I want you to hang in there. Okay? Some people may say, well, it has everything to do with some of these things. Listen carefully. Here's the process. We'll find it in Scripture, and I want to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. If you have a program, it's printed on the note page on the inside, and I want to read this for you, and I want you to listen carefully for this process. The key pieces. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 22. Paul's reminding these Christians of what they learned, what they were taught about Christ. And this is what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Three parts. Off with the old, on with the new, And all the while, this mental renewal, or as one translator puts it, this spiritual revolution going on in our minds and our hearts. This is how we grow in grace. This is how we grow spiritually. We take off the old nature. We put on the new nature. And all the while, God is changing the way we think, transforming the way we think, renewing our minds. We put off the old, the old self, the person that we once were, the character that we once exhibited, the personality that was in a very real way being destroyed by our self-centeredness in our sin, literally by our insatiable desire to possess. Now think about that for a minute. We want to possess things, people. We want to control All of us do. And this stuff kills us. It kills us. We put off our old life without Christ, and we put off everything that's related to that old life. And in the context of this message, we put off our old ways of trying to grow in our faith. Our old ways of trying to make ourselves better, of trying to make ourselves good enough, of trying to be religious enough. And the truth is, our old ways simply don't work. But why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep doing it? Why do we continue to do the things that only frustrate us and hurt us and make us angry, trying to be good enough? Am I the only one who struggles with this? Yes, Pastor. I know I'm not. If I could just be good enough, if I could just do enough good things... If I could just clean myself and and up and begin to make good decisions. If I could just get it right every now and then. If I could just be good enough. Then I would begin to grow. 
if I could get my ducks in a row, then I could begin this growth process. It's not true. It's not even possible. It's not how it works. It's impossible to be that good. We're broken. We're imperfect. All of us are damaged goods to one degree or another. And we won't get it right. We will never, I don't care who you are, we will never make the right decision every single time. We will never be good enough for ourselves or for God. And some of you that are studying the book of Romans in your Bible study, remember this from chapter 3. Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all means all. It means everyone, each of us. We've all come up short. And this is precisely why we need Christ in our lives, because we can't do this on our own. Trying to be religious doesn't produce growth either. And I've chosen the term religious intentionally. Spiritual growth does not happen through religious rule-keeping. Some of us, some of you grew up in religious contexts where it was all about what you were required to do. And as long as you read the Bible and showed up at church each Sunday, that was all that was required. Somehow those external behaviors indicated that, you know, you were growing. You were doing all the right things. It occurred to me about ten years ago that spiritual growth, really, Christian maturity, has nothing to do with age. Right? I've met people that are in their 80s that are more spiritually immature than some teenagers. And vice versa. It doesn't have to do with all the religious activities that we're involved in. Trying to be good enough or religious enough doesn't work. Listen to what the writer of the Hebrews said about this. He said, your hearts should be strengthened by God's grace, not by obeying rules. Your heart should be strengthened by God's grace and not by obeying rules. Trying to be good enough, religious enough doesn't work, and it never will. We grow in grace as we put on our new life in Christ. As we put on our new life in Christ. We take off the old and we put on the new. We exchange our ratty, moth-eaten wardrobe for a new one. And this is really the image that Paul is trying to paint when he talks about this new life and the old life. It's about clothing, right? Taking off the old rags and putting on the new clothing. This is how Paul described the new life in Christ. If anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ, there is an entirely new thing going on. There's a new universe. That's not overstating it. There's something entirely different going on. And this is reality. This is the reality of what it means to be in Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. Notice, it's not a list of rules. It's not another activity that's required. It's a promise. It's the truth that the old life is gone and the new life has come. It's the reality that you, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, are a new person. I told the teachers this morning, I pray, and I pray this for all of us, that from time to time, we catch a glimpse of who we are in Christ. Because if you're like me, too often the only thing you see is the old person, right? The old attitudes, the old behaviors. From time to time, I pray that God gives you a glimpse of who you truly are in Christ. 
Remember several facts about this new life in Christ. First of all, it isn't something that we achieve. It doesn't matter how hard you work. You don't make this happen. You don't clean yourselves up and make yourselves new. It's God's job. And it's what God does by His grace in our lives. Our job is to simply put on the new life and begin to live into it. Second, the new life in Christ isn't something that we have to preserve, that we have to hang on to in case we lose it. Paul tells us in Colossians that this new life is kept in Christ. It's kept. It's safe. It's secure in Jesus Christ. He will never give up on you. And it doesn't matter what you do or what you've done. Jesus Christ never gives up. He will continue His transforming process in us throughout our entire lives and I believe into eternity. Some of you have tried to run away. As I shared last week, that was my story. And somebody shared with me this morning, you know, I have tried to get away from this thing and I can't seem to shake Jesus. I can't get rid of this hound who keeps nipping at my heels. Well, my response to that is, why don't you just give up? I mean, that's really what we need to do. We don't achieve this new life. We don't preserve it. But we do have to put it on. Okay? We have to put it on. We have to make a decision every single day to don this new life in Christ. We can continue to wear our old rags or we can choose to put on our new wardrobe. You know, you go into the closet and you say, well, here's the rags, here's the new wardrobe. What are you going to choose? And you know what most of us want to choose? We want to choose the old stuff. What's more comfortable? I like the Levi's with a hole in the rear end. Right? I like the old flannel shirt. I like the stained, you know, shirt that I wear. That's us. That's comfortable. And that's what we often choose. And for me, I have to make this decision every single day of my life. It isn't a decision that I made 30 years ago and said, well, that's good enough. It's onward and upward. It's bigger and better. It's a daily decision. It's an ongoing process. How am I going to treat people? How am I going to make decisions? How am I going to relate to my wife? How am I going to deal with crisis in my life? And the list goes on. And we take off the old and we put on the new and that's the reality of life in Christ. And we all struggle. And it's difficult. And as I said, the truth is most of us are reluctant to let go of the old life. No matter how awful or dysfunctional or wacky it was comfortable, it's what we know. It's impossible, really, to change the way that we think about ourselves, about God and about other people. And this is why this third step in the process is so important. Between the putting on, putting off and the putting on is this mental renewal, this renewing of our minds, this changing of the way that we think. As God renews our minds, He changes the way that we think. And we are empowered to truly take off the old and put on the new. We begin to see things differently. Listen to these words from Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or as J.B. Phillips says in his translation, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the way you think, by the way you see things. God changes the way we think so we can see things as He sees them. The more we see things from God's perspective, the more we see people and situations 
the more we grow and the more we become like Christ. Paul says that we followers of Christ actually have the mind of Christ. Just imagine if we could really see things from God's perspective. Others and ourselves, for example. Wouldn't we be more sensitive? Wouldn't we be more compassionate? Wouldn't we be more understanding? Wouldn't we even be more bold to proclaim the good news? Because it truly would be good news. And not some set of things that we believe in, but things that live here. We would change radically if we could ever begin to see ourselves and the world around us as God sees it. So how do we step into this process? Where does it begin? It begins with trust. It begins by trusting Christ with our lives. Really trusting Christ with our lives. It begins when we start believing in God's ability to accomplish His purposes in our lives. We begin to see glimpses of His transforming work in us and through us. Every once in a while. And it's empowering. The power to grow, to become more like Christ, does not reside ultimately in you or in your efforts. Or in me or in my efforts. It resides in Him. The minute that we come to Him and we ask Him to take our lives, and we place our trust in Him, the process of growth begins. This is the truth. Some of you are going, I haven't grown at all in my faith. It began when you gave your life to Christ and when you began to trust Him. The process begins whether you believe it or understand it or realize it or not. You are in this process. And the Lord will not let go of you. We don't grow by trying harder. We grow by trusting Christ with our life. You want me to say that again? (laughs) We don't grow by trying harder. Some of you are trying way too hard. Let go. Trust Christ with your life. That's how you grow. And I want to conclude with these two incredible promises from the book of Philippians. Both speak to how we can trust God to mold us into the image of His Son. I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to these. For those of you who are followers of Christ, you may be wondering where God is in your life or if God is going to continue to work in your life. And this verse is for you. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And for those of you that have not yet trusted Christ with your life, you may be wondering, how in the world could I ever decide to follow Him? To be a Christian? This is your verse. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. You see, God not only helps us do the right thing, but He also helps us want to do the right thing. And that to me is incredible. God will never give up on you. He will work in your life. He is at work in your life, whether you know it or not. He helps you grow in His grace. He transforms you. He changes the way you think. And day after day, through a variety of trials and difficulties and everything we face, we, believe it or not, somehow become more like Christ. Remember Paul's prayer? I desire to become more like Christ. How? In His suffering. Do you ever pray that way? 
in the trials, in the difficulties, we become more like Him. Put off the old. Put on the new. Trust Christ with your life. He is trustworthy. Amen.